Uh, hey there, listener. Uh, hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the young hip in the... So, okay, so I'm having a bit of a difficult time today. Since it's uh, the day without women, I've been left to host the show by myself. So, bear with me. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't let this happen. <laughs> Ashley, could you please take over? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I value the work that you do. Oh, and oh. wow, that's really nice. And it <laughs> is noted that I would be lost without you. It's true. All right. Good. Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the young, hip, and lay editors of American Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news. See? See, that's how you do it. Thank you. Got it? All right, cool. What happened to the often over drinks part? Oh, yeah. So um, I made the executive decision that because it's Lent, we're going we're gonna to keep up the abstinence that we practiced in the first two episodes um, just to, like, recognize the, you know, penitential nature of the season. So You know, I was told that as Catholics, you had to drink during Lent to get through what you gave up for Lent, but... Mm. We did talk about the monks who only drank beer for the whole of Lent. That's true. But we are not 17th century monks. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. As I was saying, I'm Ashley McKinless, and those voices you just heard were Zach Davis. Hello. And we're happy to welcome our guest co-host this week, Eloise Blondio. Hi, great pronunciation there, Ashley. Ashley's had recorded trouble pronouncing (laughs) Eloise's name. A lot of trouble. Yeah. Okay. How are we doing, guys? Happy Happy International Women's Day. I should be saying that to you, I guess. Yeah, Yeah. and you didn't, so (laughs) Ashley said it for you. Yikes. (laughs) Okay, doing this day wrong. Good to know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, shout out to um, our co-host, Olga, who is... Traveling the world right now uh, and listening and with us in spirit, but she will be back with us next week. Yes. I do feel a lot of pressure to do her service. Yeah. Understandably so. As you should. Olga's awesome. Please don't hate me, Olga. (laughs) I'm not trying to replace you, I promise. (laughs) All right. So um, to Mark, International Women's Day, today we're going to be speaking with Nicole Perrone. She's the Archdiocesan Director of Adult Faith Formation at the Archdiocese of Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and last year, she spoke at the Vatican on International Women's Day, so we thought we would ask her what that event is all about. But first, we're going to do some Signs of the Times, where we sift through the Catholic news of the week, so you don't have to. What's our first story, Zach? Well, Snapchat uh, recently went public with its IPO, so... Do they make any money? I can't imagine them making any money. Uh, here's the thing I don't understand. I don't actually know how Snapchat makes money. So I they do those sponsored things. Does right? anyone watch those? I think nope. you just swipe off, yeah, like right away. But that didn't keep the Catholics from making money off of it. No, it did not. A California Catholic <laughs> high school uh, decided that car washes and pizza kit sales were kind of <laughs> lame and not profitable. So they put fifteen thousand dollars into invested into Snap Inc. and then. When the when Snapchat went public, the school found themselves making twenty four million dollars. Wow, not bad, eh? Winners. Yeah, that is a hefty Sunday collection. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty typical that though that like a California Catholic school made this much money. Yeah, the they po- were, they, Silicon Valley probably tipped them off. <laughs> I would say so. I think it was like a cool dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, our next story 
is about Pope Francis. We love Pope Francis in the office, (laughs) obviously. Um, So the Pope was urging um, the faithful to consult the Bible as often as they consult their cell phones. Every time you take a snap. What if? (laughs) Snap a Bible verse. I, I, I was thinking, though, this does seem to kind of overlook the fact that you can have your Bible on your smartphone. Maybe yeah. this is like a mark- And you can make money off of Snapchat. <laughs> For <laughs> your church. For your church or your school. <laughs> exactly. Um, Give it the times, Pope. <laughs> but maybe he's suggesting like a new app that like whenever you open Facebook, then your Bible app like overrides <laughs> it or something. Yeah, or maybe even your lock screen could be set to a random scripture passage. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, every time. So every time Let's you check the time. Let's not publish that so we can make the <laughs> so we can make, make the money. <laughs> I know a Catholic high school that might want to invest. Well, but the Pope isn't completely anti-technology. The Vatican is going to be at South by Southwest this year. That's that's insane. For the first year ever, the Vatican is going to have a presence at this uh, tech festival held every year in Austin. It's running a panel called Compassionate Disruption, Innovation, and the Vatican. I like, I like how they're using that buzzword, disruption. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I, it's not exactly clear what they're going to be talking about, but people from the festival have said um, artificial intelligence experts are going to be involved. So I guess they're going to be talking about, like, how do we bring compassion to this next wave of technology, AI? Innovation at the Vatican. Um, what's our next story, Eloise? Okay, so I do have strong feelings about this next story, and I feel like I'm going to have some opposition on Jesuitical. Because I know, okay, first I'll introduce the story, which is exorcists warn about dangers of Wiccan spell to bind Donald Trump. I know some witchy people. (laughs) I did go to div school. (laughs) You can't Um, see me rolling my eyes. Yeah, I was was just about to say that. I I mean, many people will be rolling their eyes just listening, but... People cast a spell because they hate Donald Trump and they want him to stop being president. I'm, I was invited by a friend to also cast a spell, which I didn't do. But I think prayers can take different forms. And I kind of think that the people that cast these spells were thinking of it as more, as a type of threat. Well, at least some of so them So you're were. saying it's a gateway drug to Catholicism. I'm saying that I know people that would call themselves Catholics who dabble in witch, and witchy I'm, stuff. And I would say that prayers to the devil can take many different forms, but they are still prayers to the devil. And I'm not trying to open up a... This is insane. You're insane. <laughs> I thought I was going to get a lot more okay. pushback for on defending more, this. On a more practical level, um, casting a spell so that our president... Fails. Mm-hmm. So there's there's one, you know, are we hope if he fails, that might hurt a lot of people. Would it not be better to cast a spell so that our president becomes Competent. compassionate? I can no longer and... participate in this conversation. <laughs> I don't even know. There are so many like theologically things wrong with what's happening right now that okay. is it not better okay. Get rid of the spells. Would it be better Get to pray for our president to fail or to pray for our president to become more attuned to the needs of the poor and vulnerable in this society? Okay, so Zach, this clearly has like pushed some buttons. So what what's your objection to this whole idea of spells and it's whatnot. Li- it's literally dabbling in like y- y- you clearly like admit to being believing in 
angels and demons in the spiritual world, and you are somehow trying to co-opt the demons of the world, the army of Satan, into working with you. And since this is Lent, we just had a reading about how you're supposed to interact with the devil, and it is not to cooperate with him. I rest my case. All right. (laughs) I completely agree with that. Obviously, I'm Orthodox Catholic, but... um. (laughs) I think people do this as Eloise. You can correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, but I, I don't think people. I think people who do this are basically secular and don't actually believe in angels and demons. And this is just like their like spin on trashing Donald Trump. And I think it is questionable <laughs> whether you think people's motivations or beliefs matter when you're invoking demons. Huh? Interesting. All right. All right. I no. <laughs> This is good. I, I would really like to hear what listeners think about this. So please tell us. I don't. Don't talk to any demons. <laughs> Listen to me. I, I can't believe I'm in the position of defender of witches right now. I'm enjoying it. And Zach is hating it. I don't know if he's felt <sighs> yeah, this way I'm visi- about me I'm before. making the sign of the cross right now. I am visibly uncomfortable. Okay. So, I mean, we're pretty, I'm kind of like ambivalent. Zach is very anti-witch. Eloise is okay with the witches, so we're gonna need the the listeners to break this um, tie for us. <laughs> no, no, it's not up for a vote. <laughs> All right, either way, it's not up for a vote. But tell us what you think at Jesuitical at americamedia dot org. Hello. Hey, Nicole. How's it going? Hi, Zach. Hi. Do you- I, still have your, I still have your number in my phone from when we spoke last year when I did a America's Furious XM show. Oh, yes. We are old friends. Aww. I was just explaining that to everyone <laughs> in the room. Very good. You've graduated to Jesuitical now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the A-team. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so good to have you here, Nicole. Um, I guess if you could just tell us what it was like to speak at the Vatican. That's legit. It was amazing. It was this really great opportunity that my mentor, Carrie Robinson, brought to me. She is on the advisory board for Voices of Faith, which is this gathering that occurs every year on International Women's Day in the heart of the Vatican. It was a really sacred moment to be surrounded by all these women who are doing the real work of justice and the real work of advocating for the rights of all people, especially women and children. Uh, so what So, what types of things did you talk about? What types of conversations did you hear while you were there? So we sort of talked about, you know, how the church is kind of, in a lot of ways in our modern society, the last frontier for women. You know, women can be anything they want to be and do anything they want to be and run corporations and you know, be CEOs and presidents and astronauts and all these things, but the church is sort of the last frontier on that. So we talked about some ways that can realistically manifest, just bringing women's voices to the table. Can you talk a little bit about, so, you know, you you got your Master's of Divinity at Yale University. Um, how did it feel doing that as a woman in the church? You know, you're not, you're not going on to become 
a priest. Uh, there are some some positions of authority that are closed off to you. But did you feel like there there were options for you? There were channels or doors open that you could go into with with what you had learned in school. Ashley's really asking if grad school is worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, see, it depends on when you would have asked me that as far as whether is grad school worth it. It's way worth it after the fact. <laughs> now it's super worth it. Um, yeah, it was worth it, though, truly. Um, it was such a great community of open-minded ecumenical people who said, yeah, this, you can do whatever you want to do, and your vocation matters in the church. So I never felt like I was, you know, staring off into the abyss of what am I going to do with this piece of paper when I graduate that actually leads me to my next question, because I'm also a Div School graduate. But I, from one of those other <laughs> Div Schools. Yeah, yeah. I went that to- one in Boston. <laughs> it's I'm- not in Boston, Ashley. Cambridge, sorry. <laughs> yes, okay. I went to Harvard um, Divinity School, HDS. Let me, let me take this moment to say I saw the survey on Twitter, and you do not giggle too much. There is a lot of great <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. I voted pro laughter. Yes. <laughs> We are the eighty-one <laughs> percent. We'll get we'll get to that later, though. Um, but yeah, so no, as an, a fellow Div School graduate, um, I was curious um, about how you felt as a Catholic um, in an ecumenical um, environment. Um, I know that um, Yale Divinity School is very Christian um, compared to Harvard Divinity School, which is a little bit more. Uh, multi-faith um but i was wondering how your own faith uh perspective was developed in that environment that's that's a great question um sister simone campbell from network who spoke at this year's voices of faith also known as the nun on the bus yes the nun on the bus uh who's hilarious and just about as quotable as they come talks about being the stomach acid in the body of christ about how you have to, like, agitate a little bit. And I think that was my role at YDS sometimes, was to be the Catholic agitation, uh, to remind them that the Catholics were such a large population of the Divinity School and, you know, to to assert our identity in that place. But when I wasn't being the stomach acid in the body of Christ, (laughs) but really, it it was a great place to be a Catholic because, you were challenged really healthily, I think, because no one took for granted what you believed. They were like, well, why do you believe that? So then you had to go back and really do your due diligence to make sure you had a healthy, you know, informed faith as opposed to just blind service to something. Okay, Nicole, hard-hitting question. I think it was Father Sosa, Superior General of the Jesuits, who said today that the fullness of women's participation in the church has not yet arrived. So what does the church need to do so that women's participation in the church can be made present? Great question. And it totally can be done in the structure that exists in the church right now. It's completely reasonable to do so while being faithful to the magisterium. Some great ways to do so are, you know, adding more female consultors to pontifical councils. And so that was something else that came out today, right? The Pontifical Council for Culture introduced their their bevy of female consultors, which was amazing. Uh, But we need to see that at, you know, every level, all the pontifical councils and dicasteries. And speaking of, there's no reason why they can't be run by women. So wouldn't it be a great act? And I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, 
now Cardinal Farrell, so not personal. But... <gasps> Me too. He he was my confirmation bishop. <laughs> but wouldn't it be a great move if the Pontifical Council for Lady was run by a lay person? Is that like that's like a wild and crazy concept? So the the, the idea is, you know, to find spaces that women can can occupy meaningfully and authentically that are visible leadership, not just accepting what we all know, which is that, um, as was talked about today, I think it was also uh, Father Sosa who said uh, that women are the backbone of the church. I think we, someone was going through like a number of, a litany of, of ways to refer to women in the church and, and women's the backbone. We all know that. We know that in our parishes. We know that in our communities. But to lift women up in visible leadership is what sets it apart. So have them, you know, at decision-making level in our dioceses and, our, and in the Vatican. I think that's that's an easy, logical, faithful way to do that. Well, one of my takeaways is that between backbones and stomach acid, I should have paid more attention in <laughs> biology <laughs> in order to understand all these theological all metaphors. These, all these lady things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lady things like dicastries and fungible councils. Yeah, what, is the, what part of the the foot is the dicastery yeah. in? <laughs> there is there is no Pepto Bismol for the stomach acid. Let me just say that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Nicole. Um, you really shed some like great light on this day and the place of women in the church. Um, so it was really great talking to you. Yeah, and thank you for all the work you do, too. It's really valuable and valued. It was my pleasure to be talking with you guys. You guys are so fun. I love this podcast. Shameless plug one more, but I really am enjoying it. I think it's fantastic what you guys are doing. Thanks so much. Shallow Shallow so now it's time for some listener mail, which is exciting. We're in episode three. We actually have listener mail. Yeah. <laughs> this and listeners. And listeners. <laughs> and listeners. Allegedly. God willing. <laughs> um, and we'd like to give a special shout out to Tim Smallnack. Hope I said his name right. I have a bad track record in that regard. It's Tim Smallnack. Yep. <laughs> Tim Smilnack, <laughs> and he's the first listener to shoot us an email. So Tim wrote in to talk about the section on Signs of the Times where we reported that Pope Francis, in his Lenten message, reminded people of goodwill everywhere to not worry about what beggars would do with the money that they were given. You know, if they're going to spend it on booze, that's up to them. You shouldn't be concerned with that. So Tim wrote, at first, I thought that by offering food, I was trying to be caring without enabling bad habits. However, in taking this approach, I think I'm exploiting a power differential between me and the homeless individual. I won't give you money, but I don't mind giving you food. It seems to me that people who are poor are always being told what they can and what they can't have, and what their priority should be. When I offer food, but not money, am I really being so charitable? Maybe Pope Francis is right, and I should simply give without passing judgment. Tim, thanks a lot for writing in and sharing your thoughts. Yes, and everyone else, please write in and share your thoughts to Jesuitical at americamedia.org. Another, another uh, listener also wrote in last week. Um, we got this email from Kathy McKinless. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy McKinless, eh, Ashley? Yep, yep. Sounds like a familiar name. Yep, that's my mom. <laughs> what did mom say? Mom said, 
and I quote, I had no idea what a quote-unquote podcast <laughs> was until now. It was very fun, and quote-unquote Jim was a great first guest. That's my favorite part. That's my favorite part. <laughs> it seems like you and your colleagues have a great rapport. Yeah, yeah. Good job, guys. It's working. <laughs> I was surprised that more Catholics support the Muslim ban than oppose it. I guess we live in a bit of a bubble. If your goal for the podcast is to make people think, then great job. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Kathy. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley's mom. <laughs> All right. All right. So we also have results from this week's listener poll. or This week's Twitter poll. We asked, should Ashley giggle less on Jesuitical? Crucial question. <clears throat> Crucial question. You could probably tell that the results did not affect the recording of this podcast I episode. Can't. I literally can't stop. A resounding 81% said, no, she's adorable. 6% said yes my ears are bleeding and 13 percent said who's ashley listener bob warden also said in addition to ashley mckinless's giggling my other favorite ubiquitous element of the show is the emergency vehicle sirens us too bob i actually us think too. i think we've been pretty quiet tonight I, maybe i just don't hear them anymore thanks for noticing though <laughs> yeah close listening it's a real skill we appreciate it all right should we Move on to Consolations and Desolations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we should. What's your Consolation or Desolation, Zach? Uh, I'll go ahead and start with my Consolation. Uh, this past weekend, I went back to Chicago, which is where I went to school. I went to Loyola Chicago, and I went back for a very joyous occasion. Two of my best friends were getting engaged. But it was sort of the first time where I had a lot of distance between uh, having been having moved and having come back. And so I think this is an experience a lot of people go through after college is moving to a new place and making new friends and coming back and seeing old friends. Um, so I was super consoled by being back and seeing things continuing without me, but also But also back, easy, eating the pizza. Also, I'm, I'm over <laughs> deep dish, so I'm just going to be totally honest. <laughs> okay. All right. So my desolation this week is one of my roommates. Um, she was my roommate for the past three and a half years. She just moved out of the apartment. Uh, it, it feels like the end of an era. We really had a strong community going on. I, I didn't do the Jesuit volunteer corps, but all three of my roommates did. So we kind of had kind of that Jesuit community going on. Um, we had a, a chore wheel <laughs> last Lent. We did like weekly reflections. Uh, so. And that's know. like really hard and rare to get, especially yeah, I know, at a school. I never expected having that moving to New York. I kind of assumed I was going to be like by myself in a closet paying $2,000 a month for rent. Um, and instead I had this great little community. Um, but I know, you know, she's moving in with a good friend. We're all going to go on to other good things, but there's still a little bit of, a little bit of sadness in losing what we had. Um, so my consolation this week is I went to a different church than usual. Um, and I'm sure you've all experience this where you go to a mass and it's like the greatest hits of the 1970s of hymns um so it was like eagle's wings and one bread one body and you know all the words and you just everyone's singing um and i know i know some like of the post-vatican II liturgy comes under fire from some people but it's also music that brings a lot of people in and you know what people remember as like their first memories of like being a part of a church um so going to that liturgy and just like knowing all the words, not even needing to open the hymnal was a, it was a consoling moment. Yeah. As they say, <laughs> God rides straight with crooked lines. 
<laughs> and bad hymns. <laughs> Not bad hymns. They're great hymns. <laughs> All right, Eloise, what about you? So, not sure whether to start with my desolation. Let, let's let's end on the consolation. Okay, so they are connected. Uh, my desolation really is, first of all, I love living in New York, um, but I have not lived in London where my family is since before college. Um, and before, I, I used to be a bit closer. So I am especially missing them right now. Um, I'm missing, you know, being able to hang out with them. I don't even know what my mum gave up for land, you know, mm-hmm. just small things like that. Um, I, I miss uh, my home parish in London, St. Benedict's in Ealing. Um, I haven't found a parish anywhere else that feels like home in the way that parish does. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling kind of homesick, um, even though I know I'm very lucky to be where I am and very happy to be where I, I did choose to be where I am. So I can't feel that bad about it. Um, but yeah, m- missing family. Yeah. Homesickness is real. Yeah. And it really is the people more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that leads me to my consolation, which is FaceTime (laughs) and being able to FaceTime my nephew as I do every Sunday. He is eight years old. His name is Aaron and he is the sweetest person I know and the person I miss the most more than anyone else because he's changing all the time and he knows that I chose to be somewhere else and it's kind of annoyed with me (laughs) for having chosen somewhere else. Um, but I got to FaceTime him on Sunday and learn about what he's giving up for Lent. What's he giving up for Lent? Which is chocolate. And join the party. I know. <laughs> and fizzy drinks, which as you would say that... soda or maybe, I think Zach, you would say pop. I would say pop. Would oh say my gosh. That's... Well, from now on, I'm saying fizzy drinks because that's awesome. Fizzy drinks. But he's not, the funny thing is he's not allowed fizzy drinks because they're bad for his teeth. <laughs> so he's giving them up without knowing that he's not allowed them, but maybe that's very holding, Jesuitical. Yeah, them. yeah. I think he's holding out for the hope that he'll be rewarded with them after giving them up for Lent. Oh, that's so smart! It's oh. so so smart. All right, Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Wyatt Massey. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Adult supervision provided by Carrie Weber. Our logo is by resident Jersey boy, Sean Tripoli. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show and send us your questions, comments, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at americamedia.org. You can find us on iTunes. Please subscribe, rate us, give us a review. We will send you a personal email thanking you (laughs) and mention your name on the show next week if you do so i don't know what more incentive you need it's true (laughs) all right until next friday bye y'all bye thanks for having me (laughs) you done good kid